Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Here's your host, Randy Tobler. Welcome to a Monday that will show some clearing in the weather, we hope. We'd like to see a little clearing in the storms in the Missouri Senate. We're following what's going on in the Middle East with the attack, the drone attack, killing three service members near Amman, Jordan. We'll be talking with Taylor Burks uh, later on uh, at... um, 8.10. 8.10. Taylor Burks joins us to uh, to sort that out. Um, but when it comes to Missouri politics, we talk to Scott Fawn. Of course, Scott is all know the omniscient one, Scott Fawn. How's that sound? Publisher of Missouri Times and host of This Week in Missouri Politics. Welcome. Well, that's a tall order, but I'll tell you, it's kind of like being a weatherman at Missouri the last week. You're just going to say it's cloudy and chilly, right? Yeah. And yeah. in the Missouri Senate, you're just going to say they're going to fight about pettiness. <laughs> you can be right pretty much all the time. <laughs> you know, over the weekend, there was there were some interviews that went on in a station over in St. Louis that um, uh, Nick Schroer was on, uh, Cindy Olofton was on. She was on his show, I understand, last night. Um I I talked with Cindy on air over the weekend, and uh, she said, "You know what? I I probably should got a little over overheated. Sometimes I hope we can all do that." And um, you know, Monday morning, I expect things to start happening. Essentially, is what she said, because now that all of the all of the bills are referred to committee, you know, let's get those gubernatorial appointments going, and let's get something happening. Is that a pipe dream? Uh, I mean, the the bills were referred Thursday at about ten thirty, and nothing happened. Uh, I, I look. I, I I think Nick has tried. I think you know it, it's kind of the um, house in the house they fight and throw fit. Usually the the insane people scream and cough, and the crazies get like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm stuck in a room with these people." And then they come up, they take the Senate bill, and they all hate the Senate together, and it, it unites them. I think what Nick's learning is th- this isn't the house. Um, these are bigger fights. You almost have to pick a side, and you, you know. I think Andrew Kennedy learned you can't just stick at the leadership every single time, and then then kind of give kind of a mealy mouth apology. Even Andrew, five years of that got they got tired of him. I think Nick uh, probably should pick him aside and pick a jersey and see which side he's on. Uh, so it's been tough for him. But I, I mean, you tell me. I don't know what the, the bills were referred early in session Thursday, and yet it was complaining. Now, I do think you're going to see, uh, look, if they move up gubernatorial appointments, Cindy O'Loughlin is no longer the floor leader. That's just the truth. If if a group of senators can pick just some asinine, mundane thing that, that's not even a Senate priority, they don't even have a beef with any of these people. I mean, you ask them, they don't have a problem with any of the appointments. It's just, you know, Petty is ruling the day. Um, you know, this, it, look, if that's what happens, then Bill Eagle's the floor leader, right? And, you know, they should get in the office and, and give him the keys and let him try to do it. Well, wait, explain that. Explain that. Why, what, what mechanism would, would, would uh, jettison Cindy from being the floor leader? Go through that technically. Well, I mean, she might have the office and the title, but if, if a group of senators can just hijack the okay, order of I business see. and could just say, no, you're not going to this, we're, we're in charge. Uh, especially, it'd be one thing if they had some beef about Cinder Hageman, right? That's up for that MoDOT. If they had some issue with him that he just couldn't serve on that commission, then okay, fine. I think people would be like, well, I mean, if you feel that way, I understand. And they, they'd pull him. But nobody has a problem with these people. It is simply just, right. we're in charge here. Yep. We, we, we have six votes, and you have, or seven votes, you have 17, but we're going to run the place. And if she backs down, yeah, it'll have big ramifications, and and they'll be in charge. and And I would personally advocate for if she 
if she bows to them, that she should just let them run it. I mean, I, I think they'll find it a little tough to run. It's a little, it's so much easier to be the person that nitpicks everything yeah. than it is to be the person that doesn't. And that's just true of anything in life. It's be, being the leader of the opposition is fun. Uh, we have to actually make the trains run on time. That's a lot tougher. So if they do do the gubernatorial appointments, then yeah, I think they'll start passing things. I also think that was true last Thursday, last Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, and Thursday of last yeah, week too. Yeah. So, I don't, you tell me what's changed. Well, it's interesting that I, I learned over the weekend that this uh, this move that they pulled the week before uh, about uh, uh, submitting the IP bill to the committee of the whole, which means the whole Senate debates it, had not been invoked since the early 1900s. That's what Cindy O'Loughlin told me. It's it's, it's that rarely was never done. Going to happen. I yeah. mean, there was no, there was zero chance. I mean, honestly, you know, there's a better uh, chance of me becoming an underwear model than. <laughs> hey, uh, you you could do that. And now, <laughs> no. now, you know, Houseworth has a speedo. Oh. He's been looking to break out. <laughs> oh, you guys. If you guys do that, I feel a calendar coming on. Marsh, oh. Marsh, are you in? I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. I've got. You put Scott in, the, oh. in Brian's happy pants. Now, John, you'd have to, you'd have to contribute. Maybe we could get. Cosmo you know? at one of our sister stations to do that. I'm thinking maybe we got something what, going if, here. If, uh, if Marsh is in, I'm in. Uh, and I've got, these, I've got some billowing uh, trunks that I wear when I go to the arc oh! swimming. I'm happy nice. to do it. <laughs> I bet you Scott's know, got I, some I like hammer pants left in the night. Uh, I'm kind of in. Okay, all right. Warms, uh, let's wait till it warms up, though. Okay, Brian Housework. Can, can we start a fundraiser to have you put your clothes back on? <laughs> what lucky charity are we going to help uh, Exactly. Uh, Scott, we do appreciate you joining us. I did well, uh, normally, but not today. <laughs> exactly. I did I did talk to Carolyn McDowell yesterday, the Cole County Republican Party, oh, and she's she the best. She says you're going to be the keynote speaker at their Lincoln Days coming up in February nineteenth. So I am. Uh, which which will be a big opportunity for you. I want to talk about a bill that has not gotten much media attention, but I think it's very important here in Columbia. We had her on uh, last week. Today, a vote in the House Special Committee on Education Reform, one-sentence bill, State Representative Cherie Tolson-Reich would allow charter schools in the city of Columbia. What are its chances of passage? Uh, I, I mean, I would say not good. Uh, I, I Look, I think this, I, I, you know, Caleb Browden hates Columbia Public Schools about like, you know, the devil hates Jesus or I hate the Cubs. Um, I actually think that you've had so many folks come together and they've just had their, I call it my corn man moment. I met the most corrupt war superintendent in the history of the state. Uh, I think so many Missourians have met their corn man and, and Columbia, apparently Caleb has met his. I, I think there's going to be some change. And I, I think the Desi folks, I mean, you tell me what Desi even does, to be honest with you. I'll, I'll tell you what Desi does. They tell you, they assure you that when you point out rampant corruption, they promise you. They sit on a stack of Bibles. They do nothing. There is nothing that they do. But if you see Lincoln, tell him we need more money to do nothing. That's what Desi does. And so I, I think there's going to be some change. I think it's going to be this year. I think if they ever get their parking spots situated in the state Senate, the bill they'll go to is that. I, I think there's consensus to pass something. Um, I, I think they did hire the right person in Carl Esslinger to run Desi. My only concern for them is they hired her two, three years too late. It may be, people may just be so sick of that paper pushing. Nobody's accountable to anything bureaucracy. I'll tell you, Brian, I'd love for someone to ask them where the buck stops because it ain't nowhere in that Desi building, I promise you. 
Harry Truman would literally turn over in his grave if you if you told him that you know half a mile from a building named after him, Desi, that was the least accountable people in the history of mankind. I think there's going to be change come. If you want the truth, normally what we see here is when the problem gets bad enough and nothing gets done about it, it they, they overcorrect, and that's what they're going to do. So do I think at the end of the day, at the end of a 40-hour filibuster, would Senator Rowden maybe accept, instead of a wholesale reform, just putting charters in Columbia to stick it to those schools in Columbia? Yeah, I think he might accept that. I don't think Senator Rowden has to accept that. I, I think he's going to – I also think – I'll tell you what, it's my, this is just my white trash hillbilly opinion on what happened Tuesday of last week. Caleb Rowden took those committee assignments. Yes, he did. Caleb Rowden stood up for himself and, and his fellow members that are just kind of tired of the just constant attention-seeking. And and look, I think the folks in the conservative caucus, they, have their, they, they mean well too, but I'll tell you that average senator – that senator that comes up here and, and elected leadership and tries to follow the people that won the election. I, I think what Caleb did was unite those 17 people behind him. I think they all owe him. I think, I think he's shown leadership and people are following it. Now, you know, the problem you have is for those seven, how do you let Caleb smack you on the ha- head and then get huge wins? Because it's going to show that maybe he was right. Maybe, maybe smacking you on the nose was, was good for the overall conservative cause. So they have to almost not let him get to those bills. But I'll tell you, if he gets to if he gets to the bills, you have senators that would normally oppose some of the more radical parts of some of this education stuff. They're not going to sit down for the merits of the bill. They're going to sit down for their leader that led last week. And I think what you saw was it's the seven hated him anyway. I mean, what your filibuster gubernatorial appointments for no reason that you can articulate. It was as bad as it could get. But I think what he did do is have a lot of folks that would ro- were starting to roll their eyes at, when you said the word leadership. Those folks are behind Caleb Brown now. And I think what he's going to do with that is he's going to use that to pass education reform. And I think he will. I, think, I don't know what it'll look like. I'm not an education policy wonk. I'm like everyone at Desi in that regard. But I, am, I, I just think what he's going to do with this new momentum is he's going to take and he's going to pass his priority. And if you've ever talked to him for more than five minutes, you know what his priority is. It is doing something that Columbia Public Schools will not like. Mm. Scott, beautiful. Scott, we talked earlier about the, the old Miranda plant, the Magnitude oh, 7 down yeah. in your neck of the woods. Any hope for this? Boy, it sounds like they're getting ready to be out of business. You know, I, uh, John, it's just a heartbreaking, I guess, because it is my folks. Uh, I'm just, I probably have too pessimistic of a view of it. Uh, probably not. No, I, uh, I think that, you know, this is just my honest take between the environmentalists and, and just the oppressive tax structure in this country, it is just hard to make things here. Uh, I, I chuckle when I hear, uh, on one hand, I hear President Biden talking about it. And I think, you know, if you, if you listen to me, I'm not, I'm not a reflexive hater of anybody, including President Biden. But when I hear him talk on one, one side of his mouth about he wants to bring manufacturing back here, then I hear my other side talk about a Green New Deal with a bunch of hippies in Birkenstock sitting in some field. Well, you know what those hippies ain't doing? They ain't making nothing. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a part of the folks that think it should be a service economy. And, and if you want to know why union members in their gut, good, hardworking folks, vote a lot. I don't even know if they vote Republican. They vote against Democrats. It's because they'd rather have some hippies, make some hippie happy in a field smoking pot somewhere than actually make things in America. And I think, you know, the good folks in, in New Madrid are suffering 
because of hippie do-gooder weirdos that somehow get elected to government. And this is what they do to you Scott every Fon- single time. Scott Fawn joins us. Scott, look, I'm a truth seeker, and I call balls and strikes. Uh, you know that. I know that. Everyone knows that about me. In this time of AI and unreliable uh, social media, I need to ask you. I received a, a message the other day with a screenshot from someone showing a Missouri Ethics Commission contributions made uh, panel that a group called Missouri Forward PAC donated $200,000 to Caleb Rowden, and I don't know which cycle this was in. And the allegation was, how can a so-called Republican justify taking any money from a PAC whose mission is to advocate abortion on demand from conception to after birth? There's also other allegations that Caleb and Cindy O'Loughlin are in the pocket of the NEA. Can you, is true, true or false? True or false? <laughs> the first one's so stupid. <laughs> it's just funny. I mean, look, uh, okay, I'll just tell you. You could wonder about Caleb Brad. Look, I wonder about his haircut sometimes. Right now he looks great. <laughs> sometimes I wonder about the haircut. You, you, you can wonder whether Scott, or the sun will come up in the east. You can wonder whether I hate the Cubs. You can never wonder if Caleb Browden hates Columbia Public Schools. Uh, he just, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, anyone that tells you that Caleb is, um, is, look, I promise you, if he could pick the budget or education reform, I'm not sure state workers would get paid this year. Okay. I mean, this, his whole career, he has been the most education reform-minded person I know. It's one of the reasons I, I, I was kind of, I looked down on this stuff for a while. I mean, I, I played high school sports. But Caleb is so sincere about it and, and so articulate. It, yeah. No, Caleb's yeah. not in the pocket of the NEA. Well, okay. Good Lord. But, but simple yes or no. Missouri Forward Pack. I could. Uh, what I see Robin is that they're associated pack. That's not an abortion pack. Well, I know that. There's, but, well, there's a pack out there that some folks, some donors to Wash you put together. It's called, I think, Right Path. And look, you know, I don't think it's a pro-abortion pack. But yeah, there is donors to Wash you. They were the primary bit of donors to this pack. Many people received donations from this pack, not just Caleb okay. Robin. And and yeah, Wash you. I I think you know they yeah, okay. they trade abortion doctors and yeah. it's a bunch of bank shots but yeah okay fine I okay guess. i mean i just i want to make it clear that there are so many people within the conservative conference if to use a, a, a an umbrella term that are just turning this into a circular firing squad it's not helpful scott thanks for helping us unpack it look hey. forward to the next talk man you bet talk to you later i'll give you a speedo out all right there he is <laughs> oh boy oh. <laughs> hannah maybe uh maybe hannah will think that scott in a speedo is hot we'll see oh. if that's the case or not when we come back on wake up mid-missouri probably not <laughs> This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Telling you what you want to hear since 2015. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. There's a lot going on. It is sizzling hot with Hannah this morning. What's up? (laughs) <laughs> there is lots going on. Maybe that's why it's 727. I didn't want to uh, reference that. But let's, you I noticed content. that. I picked up on that. You have content to cover. <laughs> <laughs> I've posted this on the Wake Up in Missouri Facebook page, and I mentioned that at the beginning because mm-hmm. if you don't go watch the video that I'm about to reference, Uh-oh. I feel like your Monday won't be as good as it maybe could be. Uh-huh. It's a very funny video. Um, there's some... Uh, dirty words in it that i can't air on the radio that is the reason why i cannot play the video for you oh but have you ever ordered the wrong quantity 
of something when you're placing an online order? Yes. Was it really bad? Like, or was it minor? I think I have enough crystal light to last (laughs) an entire lifetime. (laughs) I know when I was getting the hang of doing online grocery pickup, I fell victim to thinking I was ordering like a bunch of bananas. And so I would put one in and then I would only get one singular banana (laughs) instead of a bunch of them. Uh, But this guy has gone viral on the clock app, otherwise known as Twitter. And it's because he he goofed up when he was trying to order some McDonald's on DoorDash. Ah. Um, He wanted to order 20 total chicken nuggets. Uh So two orders of a (laughs) 10-piece. Okay. uh, Misunderstood what the app was asking for and ended up placing an order for 20 (gasps) orders of 10-piece nuggets. Wow. Which... Is a lot of nuggets, right? In the video, they have all of the boxes of nuggets open on the counter, and <laughs> him and nuggets. his <laughs> yes, him and his family just that's, keep laughing. Like that's got to be it, right? Nope, there's more nuggets in the bag. I don't know, John. It sounds like nugget heaven to me. How about you? I'd say I yeah. did that with car parts once. Got four <laughs> instead of one, but. What, so, kind of, what kind of sauce? Did you get a variety of sauces or was all uh, sweet and sour? Okay. <laughs> I wonder if they got unisauce with that order. Ugh. Probably all the same. Whole lot of nuggets. So, John, you're sweet and sour. Stephanie? Barbecue. Hannah? Ranch all the way. Oh. I think I'm a barbecue guy. Yeah. All right. Texas, 573-874-9390. It's Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Good morning. Watch the gang on our Facebook or YouTube channel. Find us at Wake Up Bend, Missouri. Seven thirty-five on Wake Up Mid Missouri five seven three eight seven four ninety three ninety. As recently as just a few minutes ago, we're hearing about some slick conditions around the Eldon area. Um, earlier, someone was slipping and sliding around uh, between. Boy, where was that? Hannah? Highway 54. It's Highway 54, but yeah, very slick. But Brazito and Eugene, where is Brazito? I've never heard of Brazito. It's south right of up. Jefferson City, about so, yeah, five miles. Brazito. So. Okay. Is there a Brazito exit? I must have missed it along the way. I don't know. Anyway, Brazito. So that area, and apparently they are spreading some salt, so uh, just be careful if you're down there. Our friend Kevin Hilly from uh, Cat Country apparently was sliding around, too. Yeah, said it was the worst of it between Eldon and Jefferson City, they said, so watch out for slick spots. Well, transportation is on our mind, and we talk now with Brian Walsh, who's with the Capital Access Alliance. Brian, welcome to the program. How are you doing? Good morning. Good to be with you. So I've been reading on your website, capitalaccessalliance.com, about the perimeter rule. What what is perimeter rule? What does that affect us here in mid-Missouri? Tell us about it. Sure. Uh, And good to be with you all. It's it's a debate that's taking place in Congress right now. You know, a lot of people don't realize when they travel to Washington, D.C., or nation's capital, whether for to visit the sites or to meet with lawmakers, Washington, D.C. has the highest ticket prices in the country among uh, top metro areas. And a big reason for that, which uh, many folks don't realize, is a 
federal regulation that goes back to 1966 that restricts the number of direct flights from Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport. There's two airports, as, as some folks know, in, when they visit Washington. There's Reagan, which is right across the river in Arlington, Virginia, and there's Dulles International, which is about 20 miles further out in Loudoun County. And this regulation was put in place by Congress in the 1960s as a way to sort of protect Dulles, right? The, the feeling was, you know, we're going to make it we're going to make it a little harder to travel out outside of Reagan because, you know, otherwise more people will use Reagan than Dulles and we need Dulles to thrive. Now, that may have made sense, you know, 50, 60 years ago. But, you know, here we are in 2024. Uh, more Americans are flying than ever before. And so there is an effort to add, uh, allow more direct flights from Reagan. And so currently there's only 20 flights a day mm. that are allowed to go beyond 1,250 miles uh, beyond, at, at a Reagan airport. And it's really severely limited competition. Does that perimeter encompass Missouri? Or we, yeah, we're allowed to do that, right? There are directs mm-hmm. here. Correct, correct. No, Missouri is, is inside the perimeter. Um, but what this bill would do would authorize more flights both in and beyond perimeter. Um, and, you know, what you're seeing right now is anytime government, you know, intrudes on the free market, there's winners and losers. And the winners in this case with this kind of protectionist measure is United Airlines, which controls most of the flights at Dulles and is a major hub. So they don't want more flights out of Reagan National. And the losers are consumers. And so what this bill would do would, would be to allow airlines to apply for more flights. So, for example, right now, there's only one flight a day direct from Reagan to Kansas City. I think it's run by Southwest. Now, St. Louis has several direct flights, but they're restricted broadly on the, on the number of flights that can go to, you know, out of in and out of Reagan. And, you know, really what you're seeing is this lack of competition has resulted in really the highest ticket prices in the country. So there's a, a big lobbying campaign going on right now in Washington. We're really hoping to have the support uh, from Missouri senators, particularly Eric Schmidt, who sits on the Senate Commerce Committee. Uh, This bill will be going through the Senate Commerce Committee in the next few weeks. And so we understand he's taking a close look at it and hope he will really stand up for the free market and consumers uh, when this comes to now, and I, I know you guys took a run at this last year, and then they did the authorization without, you know, changing the perimeter rules. So now you're, it's kind of back up. What's, what is the pushback that you get of why it still makes sense? Yeah, well, actually, the, the bill has been delayed in the Senate. It did pass the House, but it's been delayed in the Senate uh, because of a totally unrelated debate over pilot training uh, issues that the Senate has been working to resolve. So it really has just been kind of kicked, you know, uh, a few you know, months, uh, you know, a few more months at a time. So it's the full, full bill is still coming before the Senate. Uh, but again, the pushback we're getting is that there's a really, you know, vigorous lobbying campaign by United Airlines uh, who wants to preserve their government-sponsored competitive advantage. And so what they're doing is really trying to mislead lawmakers into uh, thinking that this will somehow cut existing service, which couldn't be further from the truth. We just tell lawmakers, you know, read the bill. It, add, it would simply add more flights. Uh, but United is, is, you know, putting the full force of its lobbying machine behind this. They don't want more competition. And we're making the case that this bill is pro-consumer. It's pro-free market. It will lower prices, give people more options. More people are flying than ever before. They should have more options. I mean, this is, I should add, Reagan is the only airport in the country that is subject to a federal regulation like this. And so Reagan should be allowed to operate like any other airport in the country. And let's 
you know, let consumers have more choices. Now, there's been so much uh, happening in the airline industry as of late. So as this bill kind of bubbles up, are you seeing a push for more, uh, a larger discussion about the industry itself, whether it be, you know, the door flying off and the, uh, and just, you know, other things being discovered with respect to uh, DEI and the, and the planes, you know, are you, do you think this will get lost in this broader discussion about are we safe flying in today's (laughs) world? Yeah, well, I, you know, we, um, I, you know, as our co- our coalition is not, you know, engaged in, in some of this, you know, related issues to the aviation industry. We're for, firmly focused on, you know, getting more competition, but we are really trying to because because to your point, there are a lot of other issues going on right now. Sometimes things like this can get lost in the broader debate, and we're really working hard to bring attention to it and really to cut through some of the misinformation that we're seeing from from United and its allies, and just saying, look, you know. Delta Airlines is on board. Southwest Airlines supports this. Uh, consumer groups, conservative leaders in Missouri uh, support this. And so you know, we really hope that Senator Schmidt, uh will take a close look at this bill when it comes up the next few weeks because it is truly pro-consumer. Uh, this is a, you know, a really antiquated protectionist measure that, that really doesn't have a place in 2024. I speak from limited trips to D.C. Maybe I've had, I don't know, a handful, somewhere between five and ten. And I love going to Reagan. That's fun. Um, I don't like the congestion getting across the river to D.C. from Reagan. That's a pain in the you-know-what. I'm thinking, so in a future world with a free market, what would be the advantage? Any advantage for someone maybe wanting to go to Dulles because things will become more congested in terms of, you know, the... The, the shuttle to and from wherever you're going in D.C. from Reagan, if more and more flights come in, or is that not the case? Well, to, to be honest with you, I live I live between I live between Dulles and Reagan. I use both really. I'm you know like I'm not, you know I have a dad of two small kids, right? I'm like many parents. I just want to get as quickly <laughs> as I can to somewhere. So I look, you know, I look and compare prices, and I want to look at direct flights. And but to be honest, I mean the traffic getting out to Dulles can generally be far worse than oh, okay. than uh, okay. getting over the river so to Reagan, just because you have to go you know further out. And then yeah. but it would be cheaper. Uh, growth. It'd be cheaper though, um, wouldn't it? Potentially, if it were deregulated. Well, that, that, that's and that's the larger point we're, we're making, which is yeah. if you had more choices, right? If you could right. say, well, let me look at this flight at Reagan and this flight at Dulles, that would give you more choices. So Dulles actually also has the infamous distinction of being the most expensive airport in the country. Oh, geez. And United <laughs> controls 70% of the gates at Dulles, and that's why yeah. they're really opposed to yeah. allowing more competition, yeah. whether it's from Southwest or other other airlines. And so this is really about giving consumers more choices, and yeah. that's really I'm, what our goal here yeah. is. It'd be interesting to see where the United Airlines uh, contributions are going to. Uh, maybe you have that on your website at CapitalAccessAlliance.com. We're talking <laughs> with, with Brian Walsh from Capital Access Alliance. Brian, wasn't this uh, the same bill last time around when they talked about, I don't know, pilot retirement pay and and less time in the cockpit to get qualified to be a be a flight officer and using simulators and all. Wasn't that this bill that included a lot of that? It is. Uh, so, you know, this debate actually started last year. And it's a bill that only comes up every five years because it's a five-year reauthorization of the FAA. And it was supposed to be wrapped up by Congress last year. Uh, but because of some of the disagreements on some of the, actually one of the issues you mentioned on pilot training, uh, they basically reauthorized it till, till March. And so the, they have been negotiating on kind of these unrelated disagreements. Uh, there is bipartisan agreement 
between Senator Maria Cantwell from Washington, who's chairman of the Commerce Committee, and Ted Cruz, who is the ranking member of the Commerce Committee, uh, to add more flights. So there is some bipartisan agreement, but what we're seeing here is, you know, as, as things maybe get closer to moving forward in the Senate, uh, you know, the, uh, we're really seeing, you know, a, a lobbying campaign uh, by United to try to block this bipartisan agreement. But Senator Cruz, for example, uh, from, from Texas has been a, a, a huge advocate for this. And, you know, we're really just trying to make the case that allow the free market to, to, to work here. I mean, when the federal government gets involved, it picks winners and losers, and the losers here are consumers. Oh, the federal government's here to help, Ryan. I'm from the federal exactly. government. I'm here to help. Isn't it ironic? I think Ronald Reagan said that in with his tongue in his cheek. So can people listening to the program here count on it that if the Capital Access Alliance uh, you know, initiative takes hold and the perimeter is improved both within the perimeter so the flights from Kansas City and St. Louis might expand as well as those outside the perimeter there would at least be the option for that okay um, what, what it would basically it would just authorize more flights and then airlines would apply for those slots and okay. they could decide where they want to go but the key point I do want to emphasize though is that the existing flights the current flights to Kansas City and St. Louis remain completely untouched yeah. Uh, it simply provides the option to add more flights, and I think it's a key point. All right. Well, I, I know Hannah's listening carefully, because every time we fly out there, she has to buy the ticket when the station flies people out there. Right, Anna? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, she's giving us the, yeah, sure. Hey, Brian, thank you. Good luck. Let's uh, let's uh, stay up to date with us. You know how to get a hold of us, okay? Good morning. Thank right. you so much. Thank that's you very much. It. Yeah, that's that's one of those things that how many of those kind of issues are percolating through the legislature that affect us that we don't even know? Tons. And yeah, until I kind of got myself educated, I didn't realize on this perimeter rule, but I've been affected by it. I mean, I go to D.C. quite a bit and I, you know, I look up those prices and I'm thinking, you know, especially if it's kind of, you know, sometimes there are last minute things you need to get there. And I'm always shocked at the ticket price. Yeah, it's it is. It is something else. All right. uh, That's uh, that's interesting news. So we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, CapitalAccessAlliance.com. John, uh, what's in or outside your perimeter for your segment coming up? Well, you talked about veggie straws, Cheetos taking it to the next level. Oh, I can't wait. Junk food heaven. Here we come with John right after this on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Mid-Missouri's official talk show. Wake up, Mid-Missouri. Official talk show? What does that even mean? Official? And that would be all. Except for this. Well, we're in Randy's Run the Gamut of the Veggie Straws. Cheetos internationally taking it to the next limit. With Cheetos Spicy Chicken Red Pepper... As you uh, flaming hot Cheetos aficionados might attest, this one takes it to the next level <laughs> with a picture of Chester Cheetah doing rodeo tricks on a fried chicken leg <laughs> while clutching a red pepper in his hand. Very hot, hotter than flaming, spicy fried chicken Cheetos. <laughs> Cheeto shrimp is big in China. Cheetos fresh oh. shrimp. But in Taiwan and Japan, they go for the Cheetos garlic shrimp. Mm, Cheetos paprika spinners from Holland, which look like a throwing star for martial arts. 
and have a dangerous flavor sensation. Mm. Here's the latest one from Japan. Mountain Dew Cheetos. Mm. No powdered cheddar, just a sweet lemon-lime flavor. Chinese go with Cheetos American Turkey. (laughs) The full-bodied essence of roast turkey. They say it tastes like stuffing. And finally, the, the weirdest ones we could come up with. Cheetos in China Pepsi flavor. And Cheetos, China, dipped in strawberry or chocolate icing. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you know the rest of that, that story. Actually. Oh. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I remember in, you know, elementary school, probably, uh, I really liked to dip my Cheetos in chocolate pudding. Hello? Go. Gross. So, I think that the frosting one might be Okay. Cheetos in chocolate. How did you ever discover that combo? I have no idea. Wow. That, the picture they had of this, especially the strawberry one, looked like kind of a coagulated dip of strawberry stuff halfway up the Cheeto. It didn't look real appetizing. <laughs> well, it's just like the classic salty and sweet flavor combination, you know. Dipping your French fries in like a chocolate milkshake is yeah, good. There you, go. you know that's, that's a that's good famous. point. Well, like in Garrett's popcorn, when you get like the cheddar with the caramel yep. mix, the Garrett special mix. Oh my oh. gosh, it is! I could get be sick. I would eat so much. You want you want a Joe Biden secret here? Okay. I I bought two bags of that around Christmas time. I always go into Sam's and do a little Christmas sweep, and my wife has to take out a second mortgage. It's the one time I go into <laughs> Sam's. It's Sam's is a fun place because, you know, they have things you never see anywhere else. Apparently, they have good breakfast, But too. I bought some. They have great, yeah. And I bought, <laughs> and I bought some. They had the, the Garrett's Mix in bags. Mm. I still have one stowed away. She doesn't know where it's at. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Now, uh, John, I didn't hear you talk about Pangolin uh, hot uh, Cheetos. Remember Pangolin in the origin of the car, uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus? Oh, yeah. The, the, the Chinese weird, market. Weird yeah. anteater thing. Yeah, yeah, they sort of look like, they look like anteater armadillos, sort of, you know, but they eat them over there. I wonder no, what... No, they had the Cheetos Angus roast beef from China <laughs> oh, and the Cheetos peanut. Yeah. No, but no pangolin flavor. Well, let's, let's take a, a habanero quiz here. I mean, I like sp- Spicy stuff, whether it's at the Chinese restaurant, the the chicken place, whatever. I like spicy. That surprises me. Why? Oh, I love spicy. I don't know. You just don't seem like the type of guy. I don't know. I think she's calling you vanilla. No. Oh no! <laughs> uh, there, there's there's a whole other side. There's a but I love the spicy stuff. I love uh, cocktails that have like uh, pepper Ooh. infused, you know, uh, jalapeno infused uh, a spicy margarita. Spirits. Yeah, they're yeah. great. But but there is a limit. Now, would you just if ten is like you got to go to the emergency room? Okay, where is Stephanie on the spicy scale? Probably at a four. <laughs> okay, ha- Hannah. I'm pretty low too. Hot like, uh, hot with Hannah is pretty low on the spicy scale. See, with like buffalo sauce for me is about fifty fifty. Like depending on oh. the place on if I can handle it or not. I'm kind of a weenie. Yeah, I'll bet John's pushing a nine or a ten on this. John. Not anymore. Back in the day, we used to go south of the border and get the Pekin chilies and yeah. TJ and all that. But oh, not anymore. Oh no, we went to uh, one of the taco places around town recently, and I. They had, they had like, I don't know how they did it. Maybe they pickled the jalapeno and then grilled them, but it took some of the heat Ooh, out of them. Yeah. And I just ate them. I just like like jalapeno poppers without the coating and the cheese. Well, oh, I really like man. jalapeno poppers, but yeah. you usually take all the seeds and stuff yeah. out for those. Yeah. We had, the other night, we saw a fan, uh, uh, Funny Girl. 
at the Fox uh, over oh, the weekend. Yeah. A 25-year-old phenom. She's had a couple of off-Broadway things, but she... Oh, I yeah, mean, I've seen her on TV. Oh, my God. Her name is um, uh, uh, McKinnon. McKinnon is her last name. Or McKinnon. Unbelievable. But the really cool thing was we went and had a black and blue martini with a little bit of pepper in the martini and, and olives stuffed with blue cheese. Okay. Oh, awesome. No, Stephanie's liking that. Mm-hmm. Stephanie's nope. liking that. All right. <laughs> when we come back, Taylor Burks joins us. We're going to ask him, are you running? And he'll fill us in on what's going on in Jordan with the drone attack.